I may have mentioned before that I have movies that I like so much I could watch them countless times and still enjoy them. One of those for me is a movie called A Knight's Tale. Near the end of the film, Count Adamar, a man who has a title of nobility but who models not even a single trait of it, has been defeated in a jousting match by William, a man who has no title or birthright, but in whom nobility seems to just pour out of. There, lying flat on his back, Adamar finds William and his crew standing over him, and as his eyes open to the horror of that moment, they speak to him, saying, You have been weighed. You have been measured. And you absolutely have been found wanting. Welcome to the new world. God save you, if it is right that he should do so. In Adamar's world, nobility was rank you were born into, and it was there to serve him and his desires alone. But in this new world, true nobility was something that even the lowest of men could aspire to, and it served those around it. It is this new world where nobility is within the reach of every man, regardless of race, stature, or station in life that I want to talk about today. Welcome to the Reman Initiative. God save you if it is right that he should do so. Hey guys, welcome to the show. It's the last week of 2022, and I hope you guys had a fantastic Christmas. Years ago, one of my most influential spiritual mentors, a gentleman by the name of Craig Grishel, challenged us to start the new year off by asking God for one word that would set the tone for that year. For me, the word for 2023 is inspire. I want to be inspired, and I want to inspire true Christ-like nobility in men. Because I believe our world needs noble men, and I'm convinced that men long for nobility. I can identify with Adamar in this movie. I've been the man who appeared to have some form of nobility, but lacked even the smallest of noble characters. Oh, I had the talent and the gift of persuasion. I was a speaker, but I lacked the character that was needed to properly use it. I soon found myself flat on my back, laying in the ruins of yet another failed marriage in a broken home and knowing that once again, I had been weighed, I had been measured, and I was absolutely found wanting. The reality of who I was was set in. I was born a slave. Nobility may have been present, but apart from Christ, it was dead. But man, did my heart cry out for it. I'm convinced that nobility actually lives deep inside of every man's heart, regardless of his station with Christ. True enough, the trials of life Sin, the pursuit of sex and money and power, or the debilitating nature of fear, hopelessness and shame, guilt, 
They've all taken their turns at eradicating nobility from men. But try as they might, it still lives there. Why is it that nobility, or the desire for it at least, dies so hard? I think it's because it's a part of God's image in us. Jesus is the most noble man to have ever lived. And he was the exact image of the Father. The perfect replica of all that the Father is. He himself said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus, like no man before or after, modeled true nobility for us. As we stand here together on the edge of yet another year of human history, I want to call out to that nobility that resides in the hearts of any man who may be listening to this. Because in 2023, we need noble men. There's a practical aspect to nobility that I feel most guys struggle with. It's a mentality of, well, who am I to think that I could make a difference? I'm nobody special. I'm not talented. I don't have the right tools. I don't have the right education. I don't have what it takes. I am not qualified and I'm not called. Worse yet, I have miserably failed God and I am disqualified. That one had me chained to the ground for a decade. I know if I were the enemy of God and I despised righteousness at all levels, I sure wouldn't want the average man to think that he had any capability to be noble. I'd be working hard to create a culture and a mindset that kept men from even thinking it was possible that all hope was lost anyway and failure was almost assured. Best to just mind your own business and not get yourself involved. And for those men who might get a little overambitious and really wanted to scratch that noble itch, I'd make sure the idea that this work was really for those who were called, like pastors and missionaries, I'd make sure that idea was well entrenched. And I'd use it as a last-ditch barrier against men who would follow Christ and be serious about the nobility and the mission that he had called all of his followers to. What I want to do today is take a stab at the heart of that mindset. When I read the Bible, I can't help but notice that those who would be held up as heroes, a lot of them sure didn't start out like that. I mean, they were the least likely, often the ones ignored and overlooked. They had character issues and flaws. They had moral failures and some shady pasts. Seems to me that these people may have had one thing in common, though. Maybe it was a sense of discontentment or a deep gnawing inside of them that led them to feel like they were meant for so much more. That whatever life they were living, it wasn't really life at all. At least not one that would matter. And it was the need to matter that called to the nobility that God had sown as a part of his own image into their hearts and made them responsive 
to the Spirit of God that was calling that nobility out of them. In his book, Bible Nobodies That Became Somebodies, Lance Wubles writes about a man who was filled with a noble discontent. Hmm. I want this idea to stick to your heart like grandma's breakfast oatmeal sticks to your ribs. Noble discontent. Because it becomes a mindset that leads to action. The name of the man was Shamgar. That's okay. Nobody else recognizes the name either. Of Shamgar, Wubles writes, Because he was filled with a burning discontent, Against the status quo, there was hope for him. He was a million miles ahead of the man who had slipped into a mind-numbing, cowardly contentment. It's bad to be whipped. But to be content to remain so is infinitely worse. It's bad to be in the prison house of your foes. But to lodge there till you no longer care for freedom, is an even greater travesty. To be in the far country among the swine like the prodigal son is a terrible calamity. But to come to the place where you are content to live there, where you feel at home among the stench and the filth of it all, that is the very climax of calamity. To be in the church and yet count for nothing is extremely pathetic. To be a spiritual pygmy or a moral dwarf, that is tragic indeed. But to come to the place where you persuade yourself that that is God's best for you, that is a supreme tragedy. To be content with the worst when you might have had the best. (laughs) Have we become content to live in the filth and the stench of a world? where lives are wrecked by addiction. Marriages and families are destroyed daily, and children are cast aside like unwanted little creatures. Are we okay with a world where children abandoned by parents whose lives are swallowed up in destruction and misery can suffer just out of sight? Do a few angel tree gifts at Christmas constitute real care? Are we comfortable with that? Have we allowed ourselves to become comfortable in a world where young women are stolen from their homes and families, addicted to drugs, and then forced into sexual slavery? I might be so bold today to say that we aren't just comfortable with it. The statistics say we support it. The recent statistics of men who regularly attend church and are engaged in pornography addiction is 68%, more than two-thirds. It's 50% among active pastors. Have you once thought that by looking at those images, we're supporting the rape, the destruction of innocence, and the dehumanization of someone's daughter? Are we ready to stand before God and give an account for promoting the rape and the exploitation of young women that he died to save? Now, maybe you're saying, whoa, 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 Joe, I don't do that. I don't support these things. But do we tolerate them? Do we tolerate this among our brothers? Do we make space for this in the house of God? Or do we, in gentleness and with grace, call this out and require 
each other to hold to a more noble standard? Do we offer help and promote an atmosphere of true repentance? Or do we offer only judgment and a forced separation from the body of Christ once sin is found out? In love, do we demand that this sort of sin be put away? And in humility, help them do so, considering our own selves as vulnerable to the same sins? Are we living lives that inspire men that are trapped in this sort of lifestyle and sin to repent of this horrific behavior and then call them to the true nobility that is in Christ? Are we truly deeply committed to loving our wives as Christ loved the church? Do we give ourselves for her, or is she simply a teammate, a source of comfort or fulfillment when needed, a housekeeper, a child care expert, a project manager, and a sex partner? Are we rising up and living as godly fathers that won't abandon their children and who would even open their homes up to children who have been abandoned? Are we inspiring true Christ-like nobility in the men around us? That's the question I'm asking. I'm convinced that the first step in bringing the nobility of Jesus to bear on this world is for men to start accurately modeling the Savior they claim to be serving. Until our marriages, our families, and our houses of worship reflect Christ. Until our work ethic and our daily pursuits are in alignment with Jesus, any words that come from our mouths are worthless and potentially damaging to the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul used a quote from Isaiah 52, 5 to warn Jewish believers in Rome about how their actions actually caused unbelievers to slander and blaspheme God. You ain't got to be a rocket scientist to know that Christianity has lost a lot of influence in our communities. And honestly, who can blame those who are outside of Christ for looking at the church today and calling BS? When divorce rates are the same in the church as they are outside of it, and suicide rates are nearly the same among men in the church as those outside of the faith, When pornography and addictions to a myriad of life-controlling issues are the same in the house of God as without, then who would be inspired by that? Look, I'm guilty, 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 guilty of playing party to all of this. My past life and my past sins contributed to others scoffing at Christ. But that was then, and this is now. And Christ can and will redeem our stories and our pasts for the kingdom of God. He can and will use our stories and our now faithful devotion to Him to bring a message of hope to those who thought they were the only ones who struggled in such a way. In the movie A Night's Tale, William, as a boy, asks his father if it's possible for a man to change his stars. In those days, it was a common belief that their lot in life was written in the stars and that their fate was as fixed as the stars that ruled them. How does the average man become noble? 
by trusting the one who made the stars and set them in their place. Isaiah 32.8 But he who is noble plans noble things, and on noble things he stands. If you are ready for true nobility, for a life that matters in this world and in the next, then it is only in Christ Jesus, the one who created the stars, that the transformation of heart needed to pursue nobility can be found. That change of heart is only the beginning, however, because it's worthless if it doesn't stir up a noble discontent within you that drives you to trade all that you have to pursue Jesus and bring his nobility to your marriage, your children, your family, your church, and your community. I'm calling out for a few men who are ready to become filled with noble discontent. Men that are tired of living in the tragedy of settling for the worst when we are called to bring forth the very best. There's a cry in the earth today for true nobility and men who would dedicate themselves to a godly pursuit of noble things. How much of your time and your treasure do you invest in training to become the noble man God calls you to be? When you are weighed, when you are measured, will you be found wanting or will you be found noble? Until next week, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord's favor be upon you and his grace follow you. May the Lord smile upon you and give you his peace. God bless, brothers. You've been listening to the Reman Initiative. I'm your host, Joe Bailey. I'm the Executive Director of Men's Training and Mentorship for The Real Men 300 with Dr. Joe Martin. What is The Real Men 300? It's a brotherhood of faithful men fiercely determined to follow the ultimate man, Jesus Christ, in the most critical areas of a real man's life. Loving God with all our hearts, souls, and minds. Inspiring, loving, and leading our wives and children. Finding our God-given purpose and identity in Christ and equipping ourselves and others to live in the blessings and favor of God while building a lasting legacy. All of this is accomplished in a connected discipleship-focused community of Christ-centered men. Look, if this is something you know you need to be a part of, then go to realmenconnect.com and schedule a call with us today. I hope to see you there. God bless, guys.